0: Greetings and welcome to the Writings of Soren Kierkegaard. We are going to continue reading today in the 18 Upbuilding Discourses. Uh, It's uh, been a good read. I wanted to, uh, since we're coming to the end of the year here, and we're heading into uh, 2024 soon enough, Lord willing, I wanted just to do a quick review of what we've done so far. Um, Remember, we started off here in in this, uh, this book with The Expectancy of Faith. And uh, I took that to mean, and you're welcome to derive your own senses of what you brought from it and what you learned from it, but the expectancy of faith uh, was um, the idea that um, there's eternity, that this life is uh, it's important, but there's more than this life. This life is the beginning of an endless book. Uh, I'm not the first one to use the analogy that life is like a book we're in the first several pages here in life and it's important it it sets the stage for the rest of the book for sure Uh, but it's a belief in eternity that this world is not all there is and uh, for Soren that's in the fundamental concept that if we don't believe in eternity uh, his his pursuit of the truth here in his writings really don't mean a lot. Existentialism ultimately is an acid as it's commonly understood, existentialism, modern existentialism, is an acid that burns away meaning from everything, because if this life is all there is, and that we wind up being becoming a pile of dust, along with the world and the universe, eventually, uh, there's no meaning in that. Uh, it's all temporary. Uh, we had also every good and perfect gift is from above, and uh, that's God's word. Uh, that's wisdom that he gives us, but it can be other things, too. All good gifts are from God, and that could be the uh, food on our table, the coffee in our cup. Uh, today I'm drinking uh, Ethiopian Ethiopia Gedeb Beretti Natural, and I already have two bags of this. This is part of the Advent uh, coffee collection from, um, from Onyx, <clears throat> but uh, they had this as a sampler, but I already have two bags of this, or a little bit less than two bags, I'm working through it. So it's a natural coffee, which is that fruity stuff I love so much. Let me take a sip. Made in the Kalita, which is uh, a Japanese coffee brewing tool. Uh, so every good and perfect gift is from above. That's ultimately his word. It's his wisdom. Uh, then we did level high a multitude of sins, and he did a, he did this uh, a couple of building discourses on this. Um, we have an eye to uh, pick out other people's flaws and their failures, and uh, Soren is encouraging us through the the stories that Jesus has shown to have mercy on people. He doesn't overlook their sin, but he does acknowledge it. Uh, but then he goes beyond it and forgives it. Uh, we do have to have repentance. <clears throat> we keep on sinning. That's, uh, taking God for granted. Uh, it's called cheap grace, according to Bonhoeffer. All right. Strengthening the inner being. Um, boy, I don't remember much about that besides, uh, there's two realities that we have. We have the inner person. We have the outer person. These, This is really different. People look simple on the outside, usually, or sometimes, most of the time. But why we do things, what drives us, what are our reasons for doing things, uh, how we see things, this subjectivity that uh, Soren talks a lot about, us being the subject, doesn't mean that everything's relative or there's no truth. It just means we have to take the truth and internalize it. <clears throat> uh, so tract the inner being, again, that's through the spirit, that's through uh, the word, that's uh, through scripture, and that's through truth, and we've talked about this enough, but soren is uh, he was reluctant to call himself a Christian, even though he would acknowledge, yeah, I am a Christian, but he was more of he would more try to use the term i'm a truth i'm a truth teller i uh I am all about the truth, and uh, that's why Soren's hard to dismiss because he uh he doesn't do a lot on dogma. You know, you must accept it because God said it, even though I would think he would believe that as a Lutheran. He uh, he believes it because it's true. And when I was first a Christian and I started reading the Bible, really for the first time in my life, even though I had a Bible that was given to me through the Catholic Church, I never really read it. And when I started to read both the Old Testament and the New Testament, I was surprised about how it resonated with me with like a chime. I read this chime at the beginning for a couple of reasons. If I have guests guests on, they'll know that's they have to hear the chime before they start talking. But it's also this uh, the chime was also this kind of centering device for me that let's let's look and let's get ready to uh, enter into the world of Soren here. And uh the Bible itself was like a chime, it just rang true when I read it. I'm like, this is exactly how people act. This is this is what happens in these type of situations. <laughs> The disciples are a bunch of knuckleheads, but God's not done with them yet. Uh, you know, Abraham tried to pass off uh, Sarah as his sister, which is kind of correct, but kind of incorrect because he was he was afraid that uh, the king was going to uh, hurt him in order to get to Sarah. Uh, you know, David commits uh, uh, adultery with Bathsheba, and, and that that story is typically seen that way. But it's even worse than that; he had Uriah killed, who uh, was Bathsheba's husband. Put him in a, in a dangerous place at the wall and got killed, and then uh, tried to hide his sin through murdering a man because he he had a, he had Uriah killed after he'd already had sex with Bathsheba. So a lot of biblical characters are awful. Uh, you know the treachery of Joseph's brothers in in that Genesis story, and how Joseph was like a cocky little kid walking around. We all know this type of kids really gifted, really smart. But, boy, just pain in the necks because they just rubbing everybody else's faces joseph wasn't a wasn't a spiritual little kid; he became spiritual through his trials. The Lord gave, and the Lord took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. uh remember that one uh that uh is just hammering home that uh every good gift that we have, everything that's good in our lives is from God, and God can take it uh, God can take it any time he wants for his own reasons. He doesn't know an explanation we think he does he doesn't though if he's the owner. And he's the creator. We, uh, it doesn't make it easy, but we have to acknowledge that. <laughs> I like how someone just tells it as, as it is. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It continues with that verse from James. The idea of wisdom. Uh, wisdom just, you know, in situations where we need wisdom, we have, to, we have to pause. We have to give God a chance to speak. Either we read something or we pray or we just still our mind for a moment. Alright, so now we're in the uh, in the uh, upbuilding discourses, to gain one's soul in patience. So we have to first uh, recognize that we have a soul, that God's put his his stamp upon us, that eternal stamp. Um, and when people say we're made in the image of God, I always think it, it has to start first with our, our eternal nature. There's other attributes that we have that mirror God too. Uh, but if we're not eternal, we're not really going to be made in his image or it's an image that's passing away. Um, God gives enormous dignity to human beings, but there's also enormous responsibility with it. These two things are hand in hand. We couldn't have the great dignity without the great responsibility and vice versa. Uh, We're not the beast. We're different. Uh, So that's what makes evolution ultimately a faulty premise because uh, even though we share a lot of genetic similarities with things like bananas and gorillas, etc., etc., uh, the Bible teaches that um, in the beginning there was male and female, so there was already differentiation at the very beginning of creation. What that looks like is hard to understand. I uh, believe that man and women, woman was, were created fiat by God. Um, I don't think we evolved from lower species, including uh, organisms like uh, parameciums and things like that. That's ridiculous. That runs counter to so many logical... And scientific presuppositions that there are existing that scientists already know. But we are made of the same stuff physically of other other, other creatures. That's true. Dust you from dust you came and from dust you shall return. Let me blow my nose. <laughs> uh, my apologies. As usual. I know that grosses grosses people. I don't think it should. I don't know. We, we tend to take ourselves too seriously sometimes in that way. Uh, so to preserve one's soul and patience, uh, this is a, a different uh, different mode. Now we've gained our soul. To gain our soul and patience, we realize that we have this eternal nature. And we have to protect it. We can't, we can't let it run astray. There's this danger that um, things of great worth can get damaged very easily. If we weren't worth anything... Uh, we could damage ourselves and we were already junk to start with and we're junk now even more. But if there was something beautiful to begin with that gets ruined or marred or damaged, that makes it really tragic. And humanity is that kind of uh, that kind of uh, uh, reality that our, our dignity and our beauty and our powers and our <coughs> bestowal of all these gifts from God, the creativity and things like that, boy that has to be protected we have to preserve it i guess another word for preserve which is where we are now we've gained our souls we realize that we have one that we're not just like an animal now we have to protect it now we have to fence it in and that that doesn't mean like this controlling kind of uh, grappling stifling nature where we're so afraid about screwing up that we uh we just clamp down on everything and become a, a tight soul. Uh, I don't think that's it. Uh, we all know those Type A people that are wound so tightly that they're they're going to bust if they haven't already. And life can't be uh, life cannot be wrestled to the ground. Sometimes you can wrestle specific things to the ground, but if you have an attitude and I have an attitude of let's let me just wrestle life all the time, or, turn everything into a fight. Uh, that's one way of getting really, really tired. You have to save your energy for those things worth fighting. For the things that aren't worth fighting, you have to put away the guns and learn to fight another day. To preserve one's soul and patience. I'll get into some personal stuff after, um, after we read this, but I want to hit Soren early, and then we'll just talk about some updates and things like that. To preserve one's soul and patience. To preserve one's soul and patience. Uh, so this is different than to gain one's soul and patience. And again, Soren's very protective, that we have to be very protective of it. To preserve one's soul and patience, and I mentioned last week, preserves can be used for uh, another name for jelly or jam, this concentrated fruit. You know, this this all that thing that makes the strawberry the strawberry, the raspberry the raspberry, uh, like jam or preserves. Uh, so we have to preserve this 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 fruit. We have to preserve it. Uh, to preserve one's soul in patience, that is through patience to ascertain what it is that one has to preserve. So it's our soul. <clears throat> we talked about how we can compromise our our words, uh, compromise the truth, uh, act in uh, dishonest ways. Is one way that people can tarnish their souls. It's it's taking that preserveness and just ruining it, putting poison in the middle of it, and stirring it up. If a person does not use the help of patience, he may, with all his efforts and diligence, come to preserve something else and thereby have lost his soul. Not only did he lose his soul, who was uh, was infatuated with temporality. So this is what Soren's talking about. The soul gets magnetized by the world. Not only did he lose his soul, who was infatuated with temporality and worldly desires, but also the one who indeed moved in spiritual concern, nevertheless energetically created only an illusion. Not only did he lose his soul, who gave it up uh, to love the world and to serve it alone, but also the one who looked at himself in a mirror, but did not see properly and continued in the illusion. So this image of God we can see in a mirror. Uh, So it's almost like a a double reflection, I guess. It's a mirror of a mirror. Uh, friends of mine sent me a picture from a, an establishment down in Philly, but they didn't tell me it was from Philly. I had to guess it, and uh, all the writing was backwards uh, on, the, on the on the reflection because it was a mirror of a mirror. <laughs> it was kind of an interesting little shot. And I, I looked at the uh, the offerings that the establishment had on the board, I'm like, hmm, I think that looks like Monk's Cafe. So I said, it was like a quiz show. He was quizzing me on it, I'm like, where do you think we are? and they were drinking some beers, and I was like, I think that might be monks, because they have some Belgians on, on tap. Ding, 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 got it right, but all the words are backwards, which didn't help, because uh, if I had seen the beers specifically, I could have nailed it a lot better, so he took another picture with the um, with the words not reflected, but just the way they would normally look to my eyes, and then I nailed it. But that double reflection—we uh, go to a mirror and we see a mirror of God's uh, God's eternality in us. Not only did He lose His soul, who gave it up uh, to, uh, to love the world, and there's that dude in the uh, scriptures that Paul talks about that abandoned Paul and betrayed him. I don't remember what his name is, uh, but it said that he, he loved the world and he left Paul behind and to serve it alone. So people have masters. Uh, Jesus says we have to serve something or someone. It's it's like people worship something they always do. We are worshipful creatures. Uh, it's just a question of whether that worship is worth it. Uh, what the object does the object deserve worth? And we all can see that in the world that uh, what we give our attention to is ultimately our attention and our energy and our money and things like that. Whatever we have as a resource, our time. Uh, that means we worship that stuff uh, in a very in a very real way. We may not be. Uh, Channing and uh, doing a dance around it or sacrificing animals or whatever to that deity, uh, whatever it is. But we're, we're doing a dance of some type. Not only did he lose his soul who gave it up to love the world and to serve it alone, but also the one who looked at himself in a mirror but did not see properly and continued in the illusion. Uh, that's James, by the way. Not only did he lose his soul who callously uh, sees the certainty of the moment But also the one who ran aimlessly. And there's like this Danish term here. uh, uh, P-A-A-D-E-T-U-V-I-S-S-E. My buddy Jeremiah, we're doing this thing on January 21st. It's come along really nicely, by the way. Uh, We did the script the other day, last Thursday before Christmas. We're at his place downtown, and he has a cat named Regina. And uh, the cat has this... um, These markings of a beagle—it's like interesting, white, black, and Uh, brown—but she's always like kind of around the place. Obviously, she's like jumping on things and in his lap and whatever. But uh, Jeremiah developed a script for this uh, row house event coming up on the twenty-first of January, with uh, where he personifies uh, Soren Kierkegaard. So I'm just going to interview him like I was David Letterman or David Frost or any of those interviewers, Johnny Carson. Uh, but he's working on a Danish accent, and I said he's, he sounded like Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he's trying to have a Danish accent, and he's uh, he's listening to Danish speakers. Uh, but now he sounds like he sounds like Schwarzenegger. I'll, you know, seize the moment, I'll seize the moment Uh-oh. because he began with uh, uncertainty. But it really worked out. It's re- re- really working out well, and, and Jeremiah is definitely the talent here. Uh, I'm the straight guy. We have similar gifts in some ways, but he uh, he has gifts that i don't have, and I have some things that maybe he doesn't have as much as I do uh, like time that's a gift uh, and shadow boxed in the air so this is a, this is something from Paul, also the one who ran aimlessly uh date uvisi because he began with uncertainty uh, so if we're running somewhere, we have to know where we're going usually in order for that to be productive and shadow boxed in the air so that's a that's what Paul talks about. The shadow boxing, wasting our time, wasting all that energy. Since it, he uh, himself was a fleeting wind, not only did he lose his soul who danced the dance of pleasure until the end, but also the one who slayed, who slayed in worries deliberation and, his, and in despair wrung his hands, uh, his hands night and day. So a pursuit of pleasure actually is a corollary of stress. If we make our life uh, dependent on pleasure, and it's hard to be in pleasure all the time because that's not how pleasure usually is healthy. Pleasure is episodic. It's the reward of something. And people that get in addictions are trying to have that pleasure 24-7. They fry their brains and destroy their souls in the midst of it. Addiction is a spiritual disease in, in addition to like brain chemistry and all that kind of stuff. Not This is an important verse, and this may be um, what I phrase and what I use for the, um, the name of the podcast today. Not only did he lose his soul who danced the dance of pleasure until the end, but also the one who slaved in worries, deliberations, and despair wrung his hands night and day. <clears throat> so think about the party, the party girl, the party guy. You know, they're all optimistic and happy at the party, but we don't see the, the morning after. We don't see the days in between where uh, there's a lot of despair because uh, ultimately pleasure is empty without purpose. Pleasure without purpose. And purpose, uh, by that it means something grounded in God's in God's reality. And pleasure is appropriate within context. Uh, when we speak about it in this way every everyone readily perceives how necessary deliberation is for a person and how Necessary patience is for deliberation. And in reflection, one sees the terrifying difference between the latter and the former, although they are essentially the same. And the terror nowhere uh, intrudes in a decisive way, but arises because the latter is actually no different from the former. But in life, this is not obvious inasmuch as much as their time lies as their time lies divis- divisively between the former and the latter and one must, one must be far sighted to discern it immediately quick of hearing to understand it its witness because time has a rare persuasiveness continually talks in between them and is always saying as long as i am there's always time and that and that's a deception uh, we've uh, mentioned this enough. I will mention it again. Uh, teenagers like to think, and adolescents like to think. Well, I'm a kid. I can kind of do what I want, and I can live recklessly, and not put my seatbelt on when I'm driving, and text on my phone, and not pay attention when I'm driving, and I can drink a lot. And you know, you're young, and you bounce back. You know, I'm sowing my wild oats. That's what I'm doing. I have plenty of time to chill out and to. Uh, to be old, and uh, so I'm going to live it up while I can, and then you start seeing people drop like flies, and you you wonder, and you think, well, um, you didn't have time, and that's always a shocker when uh, kids come to realize, either in small ways or large ways, that their time is limited, just like the rest of ours, and it's just a moment, Life life is quick on this planet. A vapor, that's what James calls it. James says, life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and perishes away. As long as I am, uh, there is always time. Neither does the patient task of deliberation seem necessary in life. And when a young person figures that out when they are a teenager, if they start to have that reflection then they realize that they're uh, working on the long game, which is eternity... Boy, does that help them uh, make mature decisions when they're when they're kids? It doesn't mean that they're going to do it as an adult would. It just means they have an orientation uh, to um, to be wise and to listen, and uh, listening is very very important. I can get into that a little bit, and I'll talk about it towards the end of this podcast today. I don't want to get into the story but this has been hard for me to listen to people because of my parents parenting style uh, my dad's very authoritarian he still is as a as a late 80s person 89 years old I think he is he's born 35 uh, so no he's 88 my dad is 88 um, will be 89 coming up in October of 2024. My dad's very authoritarian and I've come to realize that's his insecurity. He was raised a German kid in America after uh, his parents immigrated and met here in the United States after World War I. And my dad was doted upon and uh, boy He experienced a lot of hostility as a little kid because he was German, essentially, in America. And that wasn't a good place to be uh, during World War II if you're a little kid. You're absorbing a lot of animosity from people, either directly or indirectly, because uh, Germany was uh, Nazified and doing awful things and evil things. And so my dad experienced a lot of blowback as a little kid. He didn't understand it, but he certainly felt it. Uh, but uh my mom is kind of a kind of a space cadet a bit she uh she's uh erratic and she doesn't uh, always she's not always centered properly so my parents are very contrasting uh styles in terms of their parenting my mom was erratic and did some good things but also was not consistent uh, my dad was very much clamped down and this is the way it is and nobody talks back to me and i'm the head of this ship and i'm the captain of this and i'm the sergeant and your job is to pay attention to me which is causing tension in our relationship now because I'm 60 years old and he's 88. I'm I'm not 15 anymore. So he talks to me like I'm a 15-year-old. So I have a hard time listening to authority figures. This is a struggle for me, and I talked about this last week that i have a mistrust of authority because it's it's done uh sometimes not so good things with me and i had to learn to push back and fight back in order to gain my sanity i couldn't just take it i had to say well maybe my parents are full of full of uh garbage maybe uh maybe they're not trustworthy people sometimes and that was hard that was hard for me to uh figure out rather than just become defiant and acknowledge their flawness and work with it and uh, give them a chance to make their case with me as a parent. And uh, I looked up the word, um, I will get into this now because I think it has some relevance with this uh, <clears throat> this listening, which Soren's so big on, and this idea of listening for wisdom and have this stillness and not just get um, distracted by the world, chase every shiny uh, thing and everything that's fluttering away. Uh, this honor versus obey. So last week I talked about the spirit of of, of obeying uh, authority. Now we should have a spirit to obey authority. We shouldn't default to mistrust to start with, and this is where I've had to really work on. Because authority is God-ordained, both the civil government and the church, um, just authority in families. Uh, the parents are in charge. That's the way it has to be. You can't run a democracy in a family. It's not the way it is. Uh, paul says you know parents don't exasperate your children fathers specifically it's not just mothers Uh, it's not mothers in that situation it's fathers do not exasperate your children which means that that children's children have rights to be heard they have a right to be listened to uh, things like that but children have to have a spirit of obeying their parents now how do we how do we how do we work with this when our parents are not trustworthy people or, or worse or just inconsistent or awful immoral, my parents weren't always immoral; they just were uh hard to hard to handle um, so we default to a spirit of trust versus mistrust, which is this this kind of circle of uh Eric Erickson, the psychologist got into that's one of the fundamental uh traits of development is trust versus mistrust uh, that's that's one of the inner rings of our lives. So we'd have a spirit of obeyness, and um, how does that differ than, like, honor? Like, the commandment says, honor your your your, uh, your mother and your father, your father and your mother, vice versa. What does this word honor mean? Well, in the Hebrew, it's uh, heavy. The, the word means heavy, uh, weighty, or burdensome. So parents do ride their children. Disciplining children is hard. <laughs> You know, I was going to get into like one way to be patient, one way to be still is not to run behind, to have plenty of time when we have to go out and do something. Let's say we have an appointment or an engagement or event. You know, provide enough time in order to not feel rushed and to feel stressed out. Like, like don't be just in time. Give, give, some, give some margin on the preparation side. Uh, to uh, make sure that you're not pushing it and have to go so fast on the roadways and act like a maniac. Um, But the problem is, is children are unruly and they're not always being bad. They're just disorganized. They don't know where they put their shoes. I mean, I've been around parents enough to know that, like, okay, Birker, you're not a parent. You have no idea what I deal with with my little chaos machines. Uh, I have a kid that's absent-minded he gets lost, he doesn't know where he is, he forgets about time, he doesn't know where he put his stuff. Uh, so you have to work with that as best you can. But as an individual, one way to be patient when we're out on the road or whatever, or completing a task in general, is just to give ourselves enough time and never presume. This idea of presuming is very, very dangerous in the Bible. Presuming upon tomorrow, presuming I'm going to have the time uh, to get something done. I'm always the person that wants to get it done early, not because I'm like a, a type A personality all the time. I just, life taught me, work taught me that if you wait on things, you're presuming on a lot. You're presuming that you know what tomorrow looks like and that's not the case. So the Hebrew word for honor, and it's not obey really. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. Honor is like being willing to listen to your parents and give them the dignity and honor that God gives them. And whether they deserve it or not, and this is the hard part for kids, There are dishonorable parents out there, and my parents aren't dishonorable people. Uh, Sometimes people paint their parents in the worst awful light possible to excuse their own misbehavior or their own flaws, and my parents aren't that. My parents are just like Adam and Eve, you know? The average run-of-the-mill parent uh, that maybe has more difficulties than some, but also my parents have a lot of gifts maybe more than some. My mom's very literate. Uh, My dad is very analytical. Um, I've adopted those traits, inherited those, developed those. So honor is to honor your parents, to have that spirit of honoring. So it's a little bit different than obey, but it's the same general vicinity. Again, the Hebrew the Hebrew word means uh, <clears throat> for honors, heavy, weighty, or burdensome. Uh, this idea that parents have to discipline their children. We talked about the kids being squirrely and all that. <clears throat> Uh, another thing I just the thought about it's like an ancillary idea it's like when, when there's trauma in a family it, it's not like once and done it repeats itself over and over and over again so like the holidays or a wedding or events that you get into the holidays wind up being affected if your family's had trauma 45 years ago because of a divorce <laughs> and parents went their separate ways well guess what 45 years later that's still my reality my uh, my ex-wife when we were divorcing said well you still have someone and somewhere to go you can go home go home for christmas and i'm like lena i, I don't have a home i haven't had a home since i've been uh, like 15 years old we're just we're just people that happen to live under the same roof and this is me when i was talking about 15 years old we're not a family anymore this ain't no family This is loosely affiliated individuals that have the same genetic material. Uh, But I haven't had a home in my heart since I've been about 12 years old. Uh, My house was not a home uh, growing up when I was a teenager. I couldn't wait to leave. Um, uh, Ultimately, I was was insecure about leaving because I didn't think I had the capacity to be independent. But um, at the same time, I wanted to leave. And if I had to do it ever again, I would have tried to figure out a way as a minor to get out of my household. Uh, saying whatever my parents are into, whatever their problems are, I just don't want to have to deal with them. I don't want to negotiate that. But trauma will repeat itself. So like if you have a wedding and your parents don't get along, that wedding's awkward because there's going to be usually like other partners that come in and maybe stepchildren. And it gets really, really ugly. Oh boy, does it get ugly. So trauma is not once and done. It it relives, man. It's like the zombie from the grave. It keeps coming back. So anyway, let's get back to this. As long as I'm there, there's always time. Well, guess what? There's not time. Time is ticking. Neither does uh, the patient task of deliberation deliberation seem necessary in life since one can very well live and associate with others and represent oneself to others just as one is without rightly understanding oneself. Every day has its trouble, but also its pleasure. Uh, But every day has its trouble is what Jesus talks about. Uh, Sufficient is the trouble thereof. Jesus telling us not to worry about tomorrow. Uh, my dad likes to ruminate on things, and I have to help him out tomorrow, uh, get rid of his car, because he can't drive anymore. <clears throat> That's pretty typical for old people, you know, start to have physical maladies that impair their driving, unsafe to himself and others, of course. Um, and my dad ruminates, man. He talks about all the things that could go wrong, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that. And this and that. I'm like, Well just calm down? This is not that hard, man. Let's get this thing done. He wanted me to show up at 9 o'clock tomorrow, and I'm just talking about my dad today because it's funny. It frustrates me, but it is funny. He wanted me to show up at 9 o'clock to help him take his transponder off his car, which is that thing in the Easy Pass, and a few other knickknacks around the house. So we'd be done probably at 9.45. I'd pick him up at 9 o'clock at his assisted living. We'd be down at his condo about 9.30, if not earlier, and then we'd be done with him by 9.45. And he said, well, then I'll call the uh, tow truck operator at 1 o'clock. And I'm like, what are we going to do for the remaining, uh, like, three hours and 15 minutes? Like, were you just sitting around? Like, what, what's that about? Um, and I said, could we, could we make it less than that? Could I pick you up at 11? If you're going to call the tow truck operator at 1, why don't I just pick you up at 11? And he refused to, <laughs> to to see it my way. Now, what he was thinking is we were going to go out and get lunch in between. But I'm like, we're going to eat lunch at 9.45 in the morning? You're crazy. So my dad had I and I had a dust up, uh, but I'm at the age right now. I just don't I I just don't accept it from him. Um, but he agreed that ultimately he wasn't thinking right about the situation. But my dad wants this additional hour, th- three hours and 15 minutes, so we can sit around and prepare for all the eventualities that could go wrong. I'm like, just don't waste my time. I'm willing to help you out, but I gave up hiking. Uh, and I was supposed to hike tomorrow with a buddy. I'm giving up things I value in order to help you out. Don't waste my time more. (laughs) Uh, Every day has its troubles, but also its pleasures. But don't presume about tomorrow. Uh, And also, don't get too worried about it. Just chill out, will you? Golly. It's goal, but also it's, uh, it's reward. So why then deliberation? Which does not make one riches, uh, one richer, more powerful. One accomplishes nothing by it, achieves nothing. One does not assu- amount to anything. But it, it by simply and solely finds out what one is, which is indeed a very poor and meager observation. So I guess a for example here, I'm more snotty today than usual. I apologize if this is the first time that you've listened to this podcast. I let it all hang out, baby. I'm here in my boxers. Just, uh, no, I'm not. But you know what I'm saying? This podcast, ultimately, is going to be a bit raw. And I really don't care. It is what it is. And if you don't like it, move on. Uh, but I, I, I do promise you that I do a lot of reading of Sorn I'm probably in the top 10 in the world of uh, people that read sorn. I imagine there's a few other nutcases out there or people that are in unusual situations like PhD programs uh, that are reading a lot of sorn But I, I'm probably in the top 10 in the world, I'd say. But I don't know that for sure. It's just my gut. Uh, for example, in the external sense, a person can't even engage, as we say, in big business. He gives every man his due, designs new plans. But I, let it, I just try to be real here it's not worth my time to go back and take out every snort and every cough and every frog in the throat. Um, new plan every day. His enterprise expands more and more, but he never has time to square the accounts. Oh, that's a good That's a good way of looking at it. Every, every day we should square our accounts. Anything left undone, we need to take account of. And also enjoy it, like enjoy our successes, which of course... Would be a needless delay. Let me really do one good, uh, one good uh, clearing of the uh, nostrils here. If this if this offends the, just uh, take your ears away for a moment. I think I feel a little bit better. You know, sometimes by trying to try to step through something smallly. we don't solve the problem we have to go big and just get it over with for example in the external sense a person can even engage let me see every day has its trouble but also its pleasure let's go up a little bit higher its goal but also its reward so why then deliberation which uh, does not make one richer more powerful one accomplishes nothing by it achieves nothing one does not amount to anything by it but simply and solely finds out what one is Which is indeed a a very poor, meager observation. Now, Soren's being a little sarcastic here. He's saying this is very, very important to do. For example, in the external sense, a person can even engage. As we say in big business, he gives every man his his due, designs new plans every day. His enterprise expands more and more. And maybe Soren's talking about his dad here, who was very prosperous, a merchant. Dad had grown up poor in the Jutland, but through his enterprise and his, his hard work, had made a lot of money. And that's why Soren could write all these books, because he was on a dole. I had more, but never has time to square the accounts, which, of course, would be needless delay. Then perhaps life subs- submitted to him an unexpected claim that he could not pay. And he discovered to his horror that he possessed nothing. Ooh! Boy, Soren hits this home. That is just a dead-on bullseye arrow to the truth. Spiritual, Spiritually, deliberation is a difficult and rather unrewarding labor. One dares leave nothing out in the fog, leave no little secret lying there in concealment. Perhaps one discovers that the tower cannot be as high as desired. And that, that ties into uh, Luke. Uh, 1428 that Jesus talks about before you begin a task as best you can discern if you have the energy and the materials to complete it. Uh, Perhaps one uh, has never seriously made a beginning on it and therefore did not really find out that one was incapable of doing it. But then one nevertheless had kept uh, this dream in one's soul, this seductive fantasy which one could at times entertain it oneself? Why destroy it, since it neither injures nor benefits? One discovers a little uh, defect in one's work. Well, the building could last for all that, just as well as all the others, <clears throat> because after all, one does not build for an eternity. So why make it? Dif- why make difficulties uh, for oneself? Suppose one discovered. no irregularity at all then why is this uh, why all this deliberation that's a good word Um, we can have success in this world without being god-centered we can prosper we can uh, accumulate possessions we can gain esteem from others uh We don't necessarily, we're not going to necessarily be wicked people. Uh, We're just uh, led astray. And it's only that which is built for eternity, which is going to make a difference. Everything else is going to fall. Everything else is going to tumble. It's either by degree or completely and catastrophically. Um, So we have to say who or what is eternal in this world that's other people right uh, all this stuff that we have around us that we think is so concrete and so uh, stable is not uh, what is stable if we invest in it is the human soul so think about like helping somebody when they're down or somebody who needs a hand with something uh, we do we can use our material resources to give that person encouragement cuz their life has been hard uh, so we can use the material world to point to something that transcends the material, which is like this goodwill towards others, uh, and then those eternal kind of um, interactions that we have with people—a kind word, a listening ear, and maybe a truth teller uh, that is willing to tell somebody the hard truth, but do it in a compassionate way. These these things have eternal consequence. So somebody doesn't engage in this eternal business uses doesn't use their possessions and their power and all that stuff uh, to convey the truth is ultimately misled and their life is going to be tragic because they didn't they didn't build for eternity they didn't build for that Uh, so that's the gist that i'm getting from soren today is that remember that there is this thing called eternity and we have to take time to deliberate how important that is and think about our actions in the context of eternity That we either help people get closer to God in in terms of our behavior or further away from God. And again, this doesn't mean being a pushover. I struggle with this idea of truth-telling but being graceful in the midst of it because I had to become a truth-teller as a kid to survive because I felt I had a lot of people around me that were living in dishonest ways. And I am not afraid to say that. I had to figure it out. And I had to do it for myself because there weren't people doing it for me. But now that i 'm a truth teller and I am, how can I be graceful in the midst of that? Do I always have to say everything I see? Uh, do I have to be aggressive about it? Do I have to be confrontational? whoops uh, you know and i 've learned no sometimes you overlook it. sometimes you look at the big picture and realize it 's not the right time or place to say something. Uh, but it also makes me feel like a sucker if somebody's done something dishonest or uh, hurtful or evil to me and I just take it and I avoid dealing with it. I just say, well, I put it in God's hands. Man, there's a side to that which really, really rankles me because I felt like the person got away with it. And uh, that happens in the world all the time. Evil people get away with stuff. They just laugh at, laugh at the weak and they laugh, laugh at people that have to experience the consequence of that behavior. And that bothers me because they're like bullies. And bullies don't listen very well. They they think if they do something, they have a right to do it. I and mean, we talked about people out on the road that just drive like maniacs. And they their, their deficiency is they're not thinking about how their behavior is affecting other people. And they're putting other people in danger and they don't even realize it. I know I beat this idea to death. And I'm going to try to jump off of this this traffic idea for after today. But I probably won't. But just be patient. These people that are out there doing dangerous things, they don't even realize that their behavior is creating danger. They're so clueless and they're so self-consumed. They could they care less. And that, that that's not admirable. It's not like they want to hurt people. They just don't even care. They're not aware enough to see how the merging of traffic and how they're going really, really fast and people going slow creates this very dangerous mix of cars moving at high speeds. And I was driving the other day west to go to my uh, retiree breakfast for my high school. We get together once a month and have breakfast, which has been great. Uh, But there's a merge point on Route 30 up here, which is one of the major highways in this area. It's about five minutes from my house going west, uh, which intersects uh, a road called 441. And there's a merge from 441 coming north to south or south to north. But north to south, in this case, there's a merge into 30 going across the bridge, the Susquehanna River and um uh, people in the in the passing lane often go at very high speeds, so you have cars that are going slow that are in the in the in the passenger lane and then there 's this merging of tractor trailers and cars and trucks coming into the uh into the merge point from four forty one and uh, If people are going super super fast in the left lane it 's hard for these tractor trailers and other cars and other vehicles to merge properly because they 're getting squeezed there 's not enough room in, in the and the entranceway road to get into that safely, unless there's something going on that's protective. And I was driving out the other other day, and I saw it. I saw it thirty seconds before it happened. Is that I was in the I was in the passing lane because I do this deliberately. I'm, I'm like Jesus in the car because it's a problem if people are not paying attention to it. I'm like I am going to get into the into the passing lane. I'm going to go fast enough that the cars behind me are not leaning on me or two inches away from my bumper, but I'm going to go slow enough that the person that's in the passenger lane right besides me can merge and move over to the passing lane if they need to, if there's a tractor trailer coming. So I create this protective environment because I've been on this road enough to know this this, this is a... this is a point of tension in this in this merge point that if somebody's not doing this, it gets kind of hairy and it can turn into an accident and accidents have, have happened there routinely because nobody's paying attention. These people should know better. Uh, this is not a road that tourists drive all the time. It's people going to work or coming home and things like that. Like you should know better. You should see what's going on and figure it out. Um, so I saw this happening, a tractor trailer was trying to merge and I had cars behind me that wanted to go really, really fast. And I was in the, I was in the passing lane and I was going 65 or whatever, but I was creating space in front of me for the cars in the passenger lane to move over, to allow the tractor trailer to merge, to give that tractor trailer enough room. That they could mer- he could merge properly, she could merge properly, and I just create this like this like a uh, gap of maybe um a hundred feet in front of me to allow that those cars in the uh, in the passenger lane to pa- move over. If that makes sense, just visualize that, <laughs> and it worked out exactly as I saw. Like oh, if I hadn't been here, the people would just be blasting the, uh, in the passing lane. This tractor trailers trying to merge, people can't get over because people are going eighty five in the left lane. And uh, man, it was like, man, I was like the Christ car and I'm just, I'm, I'm controlling the entire situation because I'm not acting like a maniac. And this is what it kind of means to me to create patience. Uh, you just to, you know, to realize that we, we don't have to run. We don't have to be frantic. We don't have to have like this, this wild, this. Wild energy all the time. We're acting crazy. We have to be controlled, but not controlling. Like it's like keep yourself under control. Give yourself time to go do things. Don't always be in a rush. Like create margins so your life doesn't have these like jagged edges spinning so fast. Um, uh, and it's just another example from last night. I was heading to the lecture homebrew event, and we're supposed to bring beer to this event because we're homebrewers, so we all bring our stuff whatever we've been working on but last night's theme was russian imperial stout and lucky for me or fortunate fortuitously i had brewed some uh, russian imperial stout which i called slava ukraine uh several months ago so i was going to bring a six-pack put in the refrigerator a couple of days ago uh, bring it to the event put it in a growler because it's bottle conditioned and when you open it up it foams up so deal with a foaming issue at home put it in one container at home and then get to the event and use my growler to pour out these beers. So it's like I had it all figured out. Well, I tend to run early to things because I've learned that life often has a, has a has a surprise up its sleeve. And so I'm getting ready about six o'clock, and I pull the six pack out of my refrigerator. Guess what? It's not my Ukrainian Slava Ukraine Stout. It's my Rye IPA. So I have the wrong beer. Now I could have uh, could have brought the Rye IPA. It wasn't a big deal. Plenty of people did follow the. Uh, the theme last night of russian imperial stouts because you you know if you didn't know that was going to be the theme you wouldn't have brewed it five months ago or whatever but i just happened to brew because i like the beer it's a good winter beer but i found out it was the wrong beer in my refrigerator i hadn't worn my glasses when i went downstairs and i didn't read the markings (laughs) on the beer carefully enough so it was the rye ipa but i could have said heck i'm just bringing this love it or leave it i don't care but I had enough time that I could chill the other beer out. Went downstairs, got um, six uh, Slava Ukraines, put them in ice water. I had enough ice in my refrigerator, my freezer. Uh, dumped it into a, a gallon a gallon pot, put some water in there. It takes about 20 minutes to chill the beer. It's a very good way to chill out beer. By the way, if your beer's warm, put it in ice water with ice cubes, and that will uh, that will remove that that heat very quickly from the beer. So it takes about 20 minutes to get the beer cool, and I had enough ice cubes in my uh, freezer to do so. I always keep about four uh, trays of ice. (laughs) So I got to the event, and the beer was cold, and I had given it time to uh, to like defoam and put it in the growler. And the beer, people like the beer. It's just a little bit different as Russian Imperial Stout. It's not as sweet, and it's uh, more like coffee. It's got a little bitter edge to it, which is interesting. So this is just one way of being patient is to say, hey, if we have eternity, if if we're going to live for eternity, what's well, the rush, man? You know, Jesus didn't run in the Bible ever. There's never an example that he got stressed out and said, oh, shoot, I'm running late. He always had time for people. You look at these interactions when he's out in the marketplace and he's walking and people are saying, oh, son of David, have mercy on me or the you know, dead child or somebody's sick. You know, he... He would interrupt what the plan was to take time for these other situations. And if we're living life and we're out there and mixing it up, you know, this idea of just walking with control and walking under discipline and, um, you know, knowing what we have to do well enough that we can take time out and have some peace and and allow for those moments that require um, some extra investment that are unexpected because life is always going to be unexpected. My my former wife, man, she was a just-in-time person. And most of the time, it worked out fine. She looked at me as being highly inefficient because I wanted to leave 15, 20 minutes early and just be calm, like if we're going to church. Like, let's not just go last minute, you know. Let's just go and drive slow and get there in plenty of time, get a seat, or sit where we want to and hang out. So 95% of the time, she was right. It turned into a time waster to be early. Uh, but 5% of the time I was right because we got caught behind something or there was road work or there was a buggy on the road or something else going on. And that 5% of uh, being stressed out is not worth the other 95% that we get there just in time. That that to me is a bad trade. I would much rather be early and just have a few extra minutes to be at peace and not feel like everything's got to go right from here until the conclusion of the task or otherwise we're going to get upset or frustrated because now we're going to come in late. You know, that's not worth it to me. <laughs> and over Thanksgiving, uh, I have a, I'll have finish up with this. Uh, so thank you for being patient. Um, the podcast is growing, by the way. It's just growing in a very slow way. Um, but it's moving in the right direction. It's like a glacier. It's moving in the right direction. The average audience is about 100, which I take as a great thing. I, I, I don't care if somebody else has 5.2 million followers. That's not important to me. Uh, if God doesn't will it, that's fine. If, uh, if it's a hundred followers, a hundred people listen to the podcast, whatever, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like a hundred friends. And by the way, I am on Instagram. I am on uh, Twitter on X, uh, B I E R K E R G A A R D. So you can, uh, you can follow me or, uh, whatever on Instagram. Uh, you can do that on, on X Twitter. Uh, Facebook tends to be a little bit more curated. I don't, I don't invite everybody just to join, become friends with me on Facebook, although there have been people (coughs) that I am friends with on Facebook as a result of this podcast. Mm. Uh, So anyway, during Thanksgiving, I I was going down to pick my dad up to take him to my brother's for our Thanksgiving uh, dinner, Mm. and it was earlier in the afternoon, and I was early. I was leaving early here, I was going to be down there probably 20, 25 minutes early at, at assisted living and i wasn't going to tell my dad I was early i was just going to sit out in the parking lot read a read a book on my phone I'm reading a brother's karamazov right now so i just like to give more time and it turned out really good because on my dashboard i have a car that's 2022 crv and it's got all the new tools and technology on it and it tells me when my tires are low among other things it tells me when i'm distracted it tells me when my gas is running out tells me how many miles i have left it tells me what my fuel efficiency is It tells me when I'm distracted and when I'm not in my lane. Um, But it told me my tires were low in terms of air pressure. And that happens here in Pennsylvania because when we go from warm weather to cold weather, we have to now fill our tires up because the um, air doesn't expand as much when it's cold, right? It's just the principle of physics. Um, So I had this, uh, my tires were all low. And I went to this really bad uh, convenience store first. I had a very old school um, air pressure uh, air pressure machine or whatever uh, air pressure contraption that i had to feed uh, feed coins into or use my credit card on and it didn't work properly it had one of those old uh, analog copper gauges on it or brass or something so i was like screw this i'm gonna just try to find somewhere else and i went to a wawa just willing to pay uh, wawa tends to be more professional and better run than turkey hill so turkey hill was the first place i went the second place was wawa and uh I didn't know they had free air at Wawa. Uh, Sheets has free air, but so does Wawa. And Wawa is just a local uh, local uh, convenience store here in Philly, Philly area, and elsewhere, Florida, some other places. Uh, free air, but it's all digitized. Uh, but I had enough time with my dad. I, I If I had been running late or just in time, uh, it took me about 15, 20 minutes to, to fill my tires up because I filled them up and they would still be low after I... After I checked them again. So I had to do it like three times and just uh, it was a pain in the neck. But I arrived five minutes early after filling my tires up for 15, 20 minutes. I was still on time with my dad. My dad would have been stressed out if I'd been running 10 minutes late. He doesn't check his phone. He would have thought I got in an accident. Starting to ruminate. Uh, Rick's not here yet. What happened? He must have gotten something bad happened to him. You know, my dad would get all stressed up and then I would show up ten minutes later, fifteen minutes later, twenty minutes late, and he'd be like, What what happened? And I'm like, Well, my tires were low. I had to stop by and get my tires set up. He had no clue that any of that stuff had happened because I had given myself enough time for an unexpected event. And my tires have been fine since. So anyway, that's the moral of the story. Is one way to cultivate patience is to have eternity in mind, which has this uh commensurate result effect in giving us patience every day like the, the eternal perspective allows us to push back on the world and say it doesn't have to be done immediately in most cases let me come up with a plan and figure it out let me deliberate let me put the steps in place and have that calmness of spirit and rather than ruminate on a thousand different things what is the task that needs to be solved and how do we do this in the most effective way <clears throat> but also give us some space. And, you know, it's not one thing or the other. It's not ruminating endlessly, but it's also not reacting impulsively. There's this kind of balance that yeah, you want a little bit extra time, but you also want to be efficient. And these two things aren't opposites. So this is what I'm negotiating when I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I know I've gone long today here. If you're still listening, God bless you. Hope your holidays were good. Christmas, hope your uh, 2024 is, is awesome. It doesn't mean we're going to get everything we want. Uh, I have to bail out here pretty soon because uh, Anchor and Spotify are supposed to cut me off at one hour. But I saw this meme, which uh, was good, from Mindful Christianity. If you ever get the chance to treat them the way they treated you, I hope you choose to walk away and do better. And this is from uh, Najwa. Zebian, so N A J W A Z E B I A N. If you get ever get a chance to treat them the way they treated you, I hope you choose to walk away and do better. Uh, if it's wrong what they did to us, if it's wrong, it doesn't make it right to do it back to them. And this is that retaliatory, retributive thinking. And this has uh, there's tension with this in terms of the truth because if the truth gets compromised in us walking away then we have to be wise because we may be harming the person ultimately if we don't interact with them. But this is a struggle with supervisors, with bosses, with uh, people that are in positions of authority over us. If they do unjust things, uh, not just errors of judgment, but unjust things where they're deliberately doing things that are wrong and we confront that behavior, uh, don't don't expect that the supervisor is going to appreciate that. And they may do things and exert their power in ungodly and unhealthy and uh, immoral ways to try to get you to toe the line, to shut the heck up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they can use their power to protect themselves when, in fact, they deserve to be uh, identified as doing something unethical or unprofessional. And it's a tough spot to be under that under that relationship if you're not a, if you're not the one that, uh, in charge. <clears throat> but if it's wrong, what they're doing. And we do it back to them. We retaliate. First of all, it's probably going to be treated as insubordination. So you're going to get a bad review or fired because of that. Even if you're right. And you can respond, but you don't have to be retributive. You don't have to be revenge oriented. There's the balance there. But if you ever get a chance, the chance to treat them the way they treated you, I hope you choose to walk away and do better. That's, uh, that's Christianity right there, man. That's saying if it's wrong to start with, it doesn't make it right if I do it to you. And um, we can pray that, the, that Israel and uh, the Palestinians have enough empathy for each other that they realize that if uh, somebody's done something wrong to them, it doesn't make it right if they do it back or retaliate and escalate. And uh, we can pray for that peace and that understanding and that empathy, that common humanity to triumph. And it's hard for the Jews to do that because they've been identified and persecuted specifically because they're they're Jews. So they're going to have a very hard time seeing themselves in the Palestinians' eyes, but they need to in order to be spiritually whole. Uh, Revenge only works so far and so long, and then it starts to steal from oneself. If you ever get a a chance to treat them the way they treated you, I hope you choose to walk away and do better. Usually people get their just desserts from others. It doesn't have to be us. Sometimes they get away with it. I want to mention last week, I did uh, tell a story about my old roommate in college, and I said I wasn't going to say his name, but then I accidentally did, because it just came back to me what he said about not having a conscience, and how I challenged him, and I said, um, Blank, um, don't you have a conscience? I apologize for doing that. Again, it wasn't a lie. I'm not trying to be dishonest. It's just me not <clears throat> me not thinking through things enough, and not being mindful of what I've already said. <clears throat> And um, I'll try to avoid the car analogies from here on in. I know it's getting old. I know I'm beating it to death. Uh, so I apologize for that. But it just, uh, it's just um, it's kind of a metaphor for the current age that we have people that are driving and they're not paying attention to what they're driving is doing to others. And it's not that they're being wicked about it. It's just, <laughs> it's just evil in a very interesting way. And we have to be mindful of it. So I'm going to bail out here. Happy 2024. Let me do my chimes. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. World without end. Man, I got a uh, I got 20 seconds left here. Hmm. I always like the uh, dimin- diminishing of the chime sound. So I hope everybody's well. Thank you again for the follows. Look me up on Instagram, Beekergard, or on the X. See ya.